You guys have been talking about Jen, uh, Jen Psaki's comments that she doesn't believe that the migrants down here uh, intend to stay for a long time. That's news to these folks down here. If they were to actually come down here and talk to them, I think they would realize that they're not traveling from halfway around the world to go on a little camping trip for a few days under this bridge and then just go back into Mexico. They intend to stay. Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. That's right. Oh, you regret this? And you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Ruthless Variety Program. I am joined today with Mr. Josh Holmes. Hello, hello. And Mr. Michael Duncan. Hello. Let's get right into it. So that, that I think, encapsulates a lot of the crisis, the mess, the absolute disaster we have going on at the border that... You know, the adults in the room, the folks, you know, who were supposed to be knowing what's going on, what needed to be done, have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, that was uh, Bill Mulligan at uh, Fox, who is down on the border. He's been there doing great work. He's out of L.A. reporting live. And, and basically what he's saying is that the press secretary for the White House has absolutely no idea what she's talking about. Surprise, surprise. She has no idea what she's talking about. And that entire press conference was a disaster. It, it was it was a complete disaster. At one point, she was asked, is there a number of uh, the, the number of Haitians that have been allowed to just enter the U.S.? She was like, I don't know. So, there, you know, it's the administration, which didn't know how many Americans we have in Afghanistan, now doesn't know how many Haitians we have in America. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's perfect. How, how much worse can things get? It's Listen... If you take a step back, and we're going to go more into the border issue in this episode, which is going to be a great episode, by the way. Jim Jordan is with us shooting hot fire, as Let's he go. always does. But if you take a step back from all of this, the level of Democratic incompetence here on almost everything just basically can't be evaluated with traditional metrics, right? Like, this is, there's literally no component to governing that they have their hands on the wheel. None. It's, it's gone beyond Dems in disarray. It's like Dems in disarray driving off a cliff in a, in a flaming car. <laughs> this, they, there's literally nothing. Everything that they've touched has turned to shit, literally. And it's everything from obviously Afghanistan, which is just like the clearest sign of mess. But they can't do the basics like keep the government funded or the debt ceiling raised or, or anything. And, and that's the thing is you bring up, you know, the disaster of, of the Afghanistan pullout is uh, – we had we had weeks ago Joe Biden mandated vaccines and OSHA still hasn't issued a rule. It's almost like Biden did that just to take the focus off the disaster happening in Afghanistan. And it seems like they have to keep doing that. They're going from disaster to disaster. Trump like, uh, guys, no, look over, look over here. Don't look, don't look at that. <laughs> and they don't have. I mean, I think part of the reason for the OSHA thing is that they know it just doesn't work. It's unworkable. It, it probably unconstitutional. But like again, like you said, it had to. They had to shift the narrative from something bad to slightly less bad. I guess. Yeah. What a situation. <laughs> yeah, but the, the bad's really piling up, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to take a minute to just just appreciate how badly they have mismanaged the government. Yeah. Right. They've got this box canyon that Nancy Pelosi has walked basically the entire Congress into, that has now resulted in like that basically the highest level of incompetence I've ever seen in my life. They're, they're on the, the verge of complete collapse in almost every fashion of government. The government's about to shut down. We're about to go into default. 
We've got a border crisis that they don't apparently recognize. We've had international humiliation with Afghanistan. We have allies who basically don't want to stand with us any longer, right? And now almost the complete failure of the Biden agenda, all in like a, right now. Yeah. yeah. Like it's happening right same now. Same time. Same time. <laughs> it's just, it's, do you know how hard it is to be that bad? It's, it's incredible. You, you like, I mean, you really have to try very, very hard to be that incompetent. Yeah. I mean, we heard for years about, oh, Republicans, they just don't have their acts together. We, we didn't talk about any of this stuff. Right. Like, there was none of this stuff was on the, there was no, there was no default. There was no border crisis because Trump figured out how to fix it. The international community, by and large, left us alone because they, you know, basically respect. They knew the, it, there were consequences. Right. Like, it, it, the Trump doctrine when it came to foreign policy was pretty easy. He didn't want any more wars. And if you're a terrorist, he was going to send a drone and turn you into salsa. The, the Biden agenda is basically, well, we can blow up cars full of kids and then be like, hey, listen, I lost I didn't someone. even mention that. Oh, my God. I didn't even mention that. For those of you who didn't read that New York something. Times story, and I don't blame you for not reading the New York Times, but occasionally they write something that you got to read because it's like an in-depth right. explanation for what happened. But that drone strike, the last, the final act of war in Afghanistan... It was a, a case of a mistaken car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Jen Psaki's response to the podi- from the podium is, as you know, Joe Biden has also experienced loss. <laughs> I mean, and, 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 how and offensive. And here's offensive. the thing is it goes so much deeper because the American public was told, you know, we lost 13 uh, armed service members in a terrorist attack because of Joe Biden's disastrous pullout. And then we were told this drone strike is us hitting back at ISIS K, this is us hitting back at the people responsible. Turns out it, it was a van full of kids, which means there has been no answer from the United States when we've had 13 service members murdered. Dude, so the explanation in the New York Times piece, and I, I'm sorry, this just resonated. I, I couldn't believe my eyes as I was reading it. Is that the guy who ultimately got drone struck was driving like a 1998 white Toyota Corolla. And yeah. they had somewhere through intelligence circles targeted a white Toyota. How many effing white Toyota Corollas are there on this earth? Probably a lot, right? Popular but they, car. But they found one in Kabul that they followed around all day and then decided to pull the trigger on right when they were surrounded by a bunch of kids. And it turns out the guy was a humanitarian worker. It's Jeez. Right? And this is this is coming on the heels of losing, as you said, smug 13 soldiers uh, at, from because of a disastrous decision to pull out in the fashion that they did from Afghanistan. And now we're into this domestic morass of problems that can only be created. The country in and of itself, if you just sat behind the resolute desk and did nothing, none of these, you you wouldn't have any of these problems. (laughs) It's really something. It's really something. And, and, and and like Joe Biden said, the buck stops here. Well, there you go. Now, now, now we see where it stops. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could only be so lucky as to, to have it, stop somehow uh instead you know we get all of this but uh but the other thing you know that we were talking about is did you guys see the the oval office deal with boris johnson yesterday it was unbelievable unbelievable (laughs) so like you know typically what happens when you have an ally that comes in you do these sort of joint press conferences and you take questions from the press on both sides and so boris johnson had took british questions and then Biden just sort of checked out. Yeah, no questions from the American press. <laughs> right. 
But my norms. This is the norms. My norms are back. But my norms. Remember, this is the most transparent administration. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, who gets particularly upset about this, of course, is journalists themselves, right? Like, And they did it to themselves. When, right. when they spend a year advocating for Joe Biden and doing nothing but pushing lies, like that is one thing I really want to get into. I was heated. Like all of a sudden you start seeing journalists talk about, hey, maybe the Hunter Biden laptop thing was real. Maybe. <laughs> maybe maybe right. like how many conservative outlets were covering all the, the the facts and the evidence that everything was legit and then the media is like oh this is disinformation jen saki on the campaign at the time is like this is this is disinformation and then you have twitter clamped down on it it's unbelievable yeah now we found out it's all real yeah we found out russian collusion was fake and we found out hunter biden's laptop was real right and and the people who pushed the disinformation against donald trump in russiagate like, they're not banned from social media. No, took quite the contrary. They got promoted. That's right. As it, like, Twitter literally banned everyone. And the media colluded so that this information didn't get out before the election. And now everyone's just going to shrug it off and pretend that it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, that is actual interference in an election. Not any of the, like, that oh, is. oh, oh, Donald Trump is a KGB agent. We were fed that for years. And now this is just like the media gives it like one day to be like, huh, I guess it was true. Wouldn't oh well. it be just, it would just be so refreshing. It would never repair the damage that they have done, but it would be super refreshing to have the media basically be like, you know what? We fucked up the last four years. We, everything we said was wrong. Yeah. Right. Like everything that we've done, we, we had, you know, intentions in a different place. It's just some sort of mea culpa because we're never going to get any accountability for this stuff. Well, if they were in the business of accountability and responsibility, they wouldn't be journals in the first place. <laughs> ah, there you go. There you go. And, and, and uh, another addition I had to bring up is uh, more Hunter Biden news. Uh, the, the gallery owner said that hit, Hunter's paintings could sell for well up to $500,000. That's a pricing echelon that would put Hunter, a person with no formal artistic training, <laughs> in the very top tier of emerging artists. Gee, I wonder. It must be he's just that He's remarkable. just so talented. You know? just gifted. I mean, this guy is a renaissance man. He can paint. He can run uh, Ukrainian energy companies. He's got yeah. no formal training in any of <laughs> Talented footwork. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I had to work that in. But as long as we're on the media, um, can we talk about the whip thing for a minute? Did you guys see this? It's oh, the, unbelievable. At the border. Yeah. Yeah. So the media was just sort of like thrown into a frenzy, which, of course, the Biden administration immediately leaps on. They haven't up to this point in eight months recognized the fact that we have a full on border crisis. Right, going right, on. right, right, right. They ignore it until they can manufacture a story to frame the border issue in a way that's positive for the Biden administration. Right. You know, obviously, the problem here at the border is the Border Patrol. Right. You know, not not the crisis you created. Right. So so for those of you who haven't been watching this, there was a story that came out about a Border Patrol agent, and there was some video associated with it, where they they were alleged to have been whipping it's migrants. A, it's an absolute lie that the media cooked up, professing that this guy whipped anyone. They, they, they said that there was a whip. Here's the thing is, East Coast journalists, they've never ridden a horse. They've, you know, they've never left their Brooklyn apartments. So well, you're a man that knows horses. Yeah. You know your way yeah. around a horse. So, That's so right. It's very clear that the guy is using his rein to pull the horse in the direction. To direct the horse. The, yeah, to direct the horse, exactly. And then somehow journalists are imagining this guy is going to, like, whip an individual with a rein that he's using to pull a horse in a direction. Like, 
if you look at that image, there's no way that thing is making contact with the guy. It's like, uh, defies the law of physics. It'd have to be like the magic bullet <laughs> that hit Kennedy. It'd have to like pull a complete U-turn and disconnect then go from the horse. Yeah, disconnect from the horse. You know, what, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds you remember that time the journalist was like, took a picture of um, earplugs Earplug, and, and was like, like, I think that these are rubber bullets fired by police. <laughs> yeah. Can someone confirm? Exactly that. It's the same, same thing, and, you know? And, and, and huge credit to, to Jesse Kelly. He, he has this thing he calls the green sky theory, right? Where like, if enough of the press and the libs can collude, they could, they could say that the sky is green and, you know. It becomes a cultural it, it phenomenon. Be, it, yeah. Right. Uh, to be part of the in crowd, you're just pushing it as if it's fact. And that's exactly what happened here, where it was an absolutely absurd, absurd belief that any whip was used, that anyone was being whipped. Video and photo exists disproving any of this, like, whip nonsense. And yet it continues to spread. And the White House is, is throwing oh, they're commenting uh, the, on the border uh, uh, security under, under the bus. Well, this is where it becomes so pernicious to me. Because, look, people can make, you know, I guess they can make a mistake by what see, seeing something they didn't see or what have you. Right. But the White House actually has not engaged on the border. It took them months to send Kamala down to the wrong place of the border. Right, for a photo op. Right. You've got literally thousands, 10,000, 13,000 Haitian migrants living under a bridge while the president's on vacation. Right. No, they don't engage in the discussion. Like, they just pretend like there's nothing happening there, mm -hmm. right? Because the whole brand of a liberal is, it, it, our view of a liberal immigration policy is all about a humanitarian understanding of the needs of people. Yeah, right. letting 13,000 people huddle under a bridge uh, with, with, like, no running water, that's, that's humanitarian. It's the antithesis of humanitarian. They've created a humanitarian crisis. So how do you get out, how do you get out from underneath that, right? You got to throw cold water on the border patrol. Right. The it's, border it's patrol, this, we're for humanitarian, not them. It's the exact same thing that they're doing on COVID, right. where they want to blame an outgroup. Yep. You know, the unvaccinated for the fact that Joe Biden has failed to, quote unquote, crush the virus. And it's the same thing here at the border, where it's like an unmitigated disaster of your own making. But the moment that they can frame it in a way that makes border patrol look bad, now it's a crisis we're willing to talk about. Absolutely. And it's always the familiar cast of characters that they choose yes. to make the outgroup, right? It's these redneck Trump supporters in the case of COVID. When it comes to this, it's law enforcement. Yeah. Oh, where have we heard that before, right? It's all the law right. enforcement fault, all the crime in these cities. It's law enforcement that's the problem. Right. And, and the way that this lie spread, and then journalists continue, you know, throwing fuel on this fire. Uh, th th there was a tweet from Eric Wasson at Bloomberg saying on Capitol, overheard in the Capitol, police officers shaking their heads over Border Patrol I mean, locations. Quote, who the heck gave these guys whips? <laughs> Maybe if you're a journalist, you, you try and clarify just made that up. there were no just whips. Nope. He's going to keep pushing that disinformation. Yeah. I, I, I just, the Haitian piece of this puzzle is truly incredible to me. That we have this vast number of people that are, it, this isn't your traditional migrant, right? I mean, th th this is a, what the hell are we have a whole, like 13,000 Haitians on the board? Where did that come from? Does and, somebody want to explain that? And, and, and here's the thing is, so now we're being told that many of, of the Haitian migrants are just being released into the U.S. Yeah. You know, flashback to the Department of Homeland Security, uh, Mayor, uh, uh, Secretary Mayorkas on Monday saying, if you come to the United States illegally, 
you'll be returned. Your journey will not succeed. Uh, clearly, it will. And this is furthering the, like, uh, uh, Biden consistently saying, oh, just come on over. You know, when, when they have the Dem debates and everyone raises their hand and says, yes, I would give anyone who makes it into America health care. And they've been getting the message. And then when you've had these migrants being interviewed, they're like, we were told, you know, Biden said to come. Yeah, the New York Post had a story on that where they said that they heard Joe Biden was opening the border, so they came. That's it. And now, <laughs> I mean, they're being let into the U.S., so hey, well, and to, and message to, received. And, and, and to answer your question earlier there, Holmes, about, you know, why do you have 13,000 Haitians? Well, what we also have found out is that, you know, the majority of these people interviewed have been folks that have been living in South America. Like, it's not people fleeing from, you know, the earthquake in, in Haiti. Yeah, they actually were previously right, there. Right, right. Right? Right. Which, again, it's it's not like they they traveled in a space shuttle. Right. Right? It takes a little while, way, while right. to get from Central America to the United States. And that's the thing is, like, when Saki says this ridiculous stuff, like, oh, you know, they're just going to go back. These people are not willing to live under a bridge right. unless they know... Hey, we're here to stay. Right, they like walked a thousand stay. miles, yeah. right? Like, right. They're not just going to call an Uber and go home. Yeah. That, th- th- these people in this administration have no idea what they're doing. They're trying to throw border patrol under the bus. And it's their same pattern of just blaming someone anytime there's a crisis. They tried blaming the military first for Afghanistan. Uh, th- they're trying to blame anybody for their own failure again and again. And that's their only go-to thing. Is there anything, and I mean this sincerely, is there anything that has happened from January until today, that has gone right as a as a result of something this administration has done. I mean, anything like we can blue sky this. Any any seriously. So 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 Biden had famously made that campaign promise. He was like, "I will not shut down the economy. I will shut down the virus." Every month, we're getting disappointing jobs numbers. The price on gas, Inflation's the price on up six percent. Everything is up. Record numbers, record inflation numbers that we have going. Supply chain is in ruins. And COVID, we're hitting the worst numbers we've had. And he was handed off multiple vaccines. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> I mean, that's the administration. Then you look at congressional Democrats and the ones that are not hiding under their desk are basically running around in circles pointing at each other is, is the cause of the problem. Right. We should, so th- this is a hilarious story. We should go into this. This is beyond Dems in disarray. Like, they are all just, like, it's total circular firing squad over on the Dem side. Right? I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. You got this uh, Jayapal, right, who's sort of the leader of the progressive side of the Democrats. In the House. In the House, In the yeah. House, who's, who's told Nancy Pelosi that the progressives will tank the bipartisan infrastructure bill on Monday, next Monday, because she promised... Representative Gottheimer that she would hold a vote on that to get his vote on right. this budget thing back in August, right? So she says, if you actually hold that vote, we're going to tank it, <laughs> right? Meanwhile, Gottheimer and the rest of the, you know, quote-unquote moderates, which there are not moderates, by the way. Anybody who's considering any of this nonsense is not a moderate. But he says, well, my crew is going to tank the reconciliation, the $3.5 trillion <laughs> tax and spend thing if you tank my thing. Right. Uh, but all of this has to go down next week. Right. Meanwhile, the backdrop of the government is literally shutting down on September 30th. Yeah. And the Treasury Department has told Democrats that they will cease borrowing authority and default on their loans in October. Yeah. 
this pileup is entirely of their own making. And it's great. Like when, when that date is set, 27, it was Pulitzer who set that, right? Yeah, she said it with Gottheimer. And and then you've got um, um, Cinema, who is like, who tells Biden to his face, if this doesn't get done by the 27th, uh-uh, I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> and now they're all going after each other. And Yarmouth, the Democrat who's, you know, in, in charge of uh, the budget committee, uh, says there's not enough time to write <laughs> a, a clean debt ceiling increase bill. And Can't then, do it. Th- th- so Can't do it. Sorry. Th- I mean, they're th- they're stuck with this mess of this 3.4 trillion, where they're going to have to explain to Americans why they're going to have to raise taxes on everybody to pay for garbage nobody wants. Nobody's asking for any of this shit, by the way. And, and, right. And pro- the progressives and you know the House progressives that Jay Paul is, is is leading the charge with. They don't care. They're in like D plus ninety nine districts, right? And you've got other Democrats who are who are like, uh, I have an election this year. <laughs> you you're, you seriously think I want to go for this insane bill? And they ask like Maggie Hassan up in New Hampshire, who's going to get crushed by Chris Sununu when he Chris Sununu decides run for to run for Senate. He should run for Senate. He should run for Senate. Um, they asked her. They put a microphone in her face yesterday, and she like pretended they didn't know what she was talking. Huh? Excellent. Huh? Excellent. What? A bill. Oh, there's stuff going on? And then 11 Democrats in the Senate are now on board with, like, the, the suicide pact <laughs> that Jay Paul is this forcing is, on these people. This is my favorite part of it because you know that there's a considerable amount of that Democratic conference in the Senate who's just like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Please don't make us actually vote for this thing. <laughs> know. You know? <laughs> it's just such a joy to watch. If it didn't have such massive uh, ramifications on the American people, it would be the funniest thing in the world. So... If you had to guess how this all goes down, you know, who's going to cave? Or is no one going to cave? Are they going to have some sort of patina of a victory for the moderates or the progressives, kick the can and do, do them together? What, what do you think actually happens here? I, I, somebody has to cave on something. Right. Because ultimately, if nobody caves... The government's shut down. You're defaulting on your loans and the Biden agenda. And essentially, the administration is over. Right. In, in November of the first year of his presidency. Right. There's it's no de- there's no Democrat. I just oh. I got to take a step back and re- remind people like Joe Biden ran as the competent guy who's just going to run. Yeah, the, the manager. Ship. He's going to manage it. And that's the thing is like the centerpiece. The, we told everyone if he doesn't get the three point four trillion thing done, he's a, he's a lame duck. Within his first year in office, that's unprecedented. And now with Jayapal and and the progressives, and now the eleven senators who right. jumped on board, being like, "Yeah, let's just destroy Biden's entire dude." Like, these presidency. these house these house progressives uh, got them to take Iron Dome funding out of the oh, we the didn't CR. Even talk about right, that right. And now they're saying, and then the House uh, Democratic moderates revolted. And now they're being promised some standalone vote for it. Who the hell knows? But I, I say all that to say my bet is the moderates cave. Yeah, well, I think that's probably right. But but here's the other side. I, mean, of I see that that would electorally. Yeah, it would it it'd be the end of them. They'd get wiped if they vote for the three point four trillion thing as it is. It's an I think that's mess. happening. Uh, yeah, I agree. But but where like look, if you think logically about the way that this like Democrats ultimately are self-preservationists in a lot of different ways, right? And what I mean by that is that they they will try to enact as much of their agenda come hell or high water. And so, like, if I'm Pelosi, 
what I'm trying to do is get that vote held next week, extract a compromise from progressives to say, let this thing go on the bipartisan thing. And Gottheimer and the rest will promise to vote for whatever we can work out with Manchin and Cinema that ultimately gets over the finish line. Yeah. Right. I think that's probably where this thing lands, honestly. But man, it would be the greatest thing in the entire world if the whole thing just collapsed. <laughs> you know, if if that happened, I'd love to start dropping, hey, infrastructure week. Things yeah. are looking great oh. for infrastructure week, right? <laughs> because if they can't get this, you know, look, again, a step back. The entire Biden agenda is just simply spending money on ridiculously left-wing social programs. Right. With, with a 50-50 Senate and a five-seat majority in the House, he's acting like he's FDR with some huge mandate. But no no reforms, no. right? No, like, change of the way the government deals with things. No, it's just simply paying people not to work, paying their rent, paying their child care, paying their education, paying their home ownership, paying their what have you. It's just paying for stuff. Yeah, paying for stuff. That's well, it. Well, you know, and I remember, um, you know, they... Back when, when Republicans were in control and we were trying to pass the um, uh, police reform bill, yeah. remember, you know, Tim Scott's bill. And they said, you know, the Democrats said, oh, well, you know, it doesn't go far enough. Um, better nothing than, than yeah. a compromise measure. Well, they announced today that that's done. They're not going to pass it. <laughs> Excellent. So they couldn't even get that done. Excellent. Yeah. We, had, <clears throat> we had protests all summer, ostensibly for George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And then they, elect, they elected... Um, the American people elected a Democratic House, a Democratic Senate, and a Democratic White House, and now they're not doing it. They just didn't do it. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. Which Sorry. is just, again, to your point, it's like, what have you done? What have you done? And, and speaking of, yet another example. So for years, the media and Dems fed this absolute lie about collusion and, and how Putin oh, yeah, and this Trump is, are yes. just totally in cahoots. Well, here we go. So, so folks may remember uh, when Biden went and saw... Putin. He, he, he asked him nicely. He was like, please don't cyber attack this list of industries because that would cr- completely cripple us. <laughs> well, folks, Russian hackers have uh, leveled a ransomware attack on an Iowa farming co-op and demanded $5.9 million to unlock the computer networks used to keep food supply chains and feeding schedules on track for millions of chickens, hogs, and cattle. What? So already <sighs> when you're paying top dollar at the grocery store, here we go. Russians, if I can't Russians get, have hacked again. If I can't get chicken wings. Well, this one hits I'm gonna, yeah. particularly hard for the it's variety fo- It's football season. Yeah. Okay? If I can't get chicken wings on Saturday and Sunday, we're going to have problems. It's also our Iowa farmers. That's exactly. right. And, 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 and for the uh, folks who've been following at home, we released that video. Well, awesome uh, eating contest, which we had at the Iowa State Fair on fun, our YouTube. Man. We've gotten a lot of great uh, response from that. And again, on the, on the topic of Iowa... So uh, a recent poll shows that 62% of Iowans disapprove of the job Joe Biden is doing as president. And uh, I think it's a ruthless bounce. That's, uh, it's 100% <laughs> that's a right. ruthless bounce. And it's also important for folks to note that uh, both times Obama ran, he won Iowa. So that's now right. you've got 62% disapproving I mean, of that's Joe like Alabama numbers. It's really something. It's really something. They, had a, they included a, a grassly... Uh, ballot question in that where he was leading by 14 points or something. Oh, like you that. love to see it. Absolutely you love to see it. it. You love to see it because Democrats talk big about how they're going to, you know, make a run at Chuck Grassley. I don't think so, folks. Uh, not from what I saw when I was there. No. Right? Uh, I do have for you, Duncan, though, uh, some happy news when it comes to uh, 
meat news, I guess. Oh, meat news. Okay. Bacon is back on the menu, folks. Yes. Japanese knotweed could what? make processed meats healthier. It says, uh, this is a, a study which was posted online. Uh, a fast-growing weed in your garden may be the key to making processed meats healthier to eat. Research from the University of Reading uh, says using Japanese knotweed reduces the cancer-causing effects of other processed food preservatives uh, that, like, appear in bacon. So, Oh, like nitrates and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, imagine that. Like, hey, you know, I can only Bacon's have a healthy breakfast, you. so I'm having a pound of bacon. Bacon's good. Bacon, that's good for you. I mean, it's good for your soul now, I guess, you know. I want to consult our Iowa people before I get on board with this. It sounds a little... I We're going to have to bring in the experts. I don't trap, uh, trust anything named Japanese knotweed. I mean, one of the things <laughs> I loved in Iowa is... Uh, oh, goodness. What was the name of the venue? It was... Um, JR's? JR's. JR's South Pork Ranch. They had. They gave us these fanny packs of the emergency bacon supply. Yeah. Best idea of all time. And then you Best counted idea. one of them as your first meat. That was that was the first one. Yeah, immediately rigged, totally rigged rigged the game. Totally, hey, it was it was given to all of us. Let it not be said, by the way, that I'm not willing to do anything for the variety program. Given the, uh, <laughs> if you, everyone's got to hit up YouTube, go to Ruthless. The corn, dog, the corn situation. dog situation. See, yeah. see that see that video is amazing. He put it all on the line. I folks. put it all on the line for you. <laughs> All right, so there's more polls that are out, and as if you needed any more confirmation, it turns out Biden's approval rating in Gallup is down to 43. That's 13 points down since June. Oh, wow. no. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to hear I mean, that. This, so this is a backbreaker. So it says, of course, 90% of Dems still approve, but it's down to 37% among independents. Yep. At this point, Obama was at 52%. Bush was at 51%. Clinton was at 47%. And again, Biden at 43%. Because you're talking about people that aren't particularly ideological, right? And so what they're picking up on is just the incompetence. Afghanistan, the economy, all the shenanigans that you're seeing in Congress. What's to approve of? Yeah. Well, and it's it's one one important thing to remember in here when you're doing like like a tracker poll you know, this isn't, this is just approval, right? right? This is just approval. The people that are the most pissed off, they're going to show up and vote. So in reality, the number is actually worse. You know, when you, when you, when you do a screen of like most likely to vote, most energized to vote, it's worse. It's worse. It's worse. Well, listen, we're the only ones that can screw this up. Like, honestly, Republicans, as long as everybody gets their act together. And as we talked about last week with, um, the fallout from California, Good campaigns and and good candidates win. And it's incumbent upon Republicans and all of us to ensure that we have both of those things because the environment is going to be spectacular. Yes. A little bit more polling. Should we go into this one? I like this one. Okay. Because I think it applies particularly to smug. Right. (laughs) The question is, is it acceptable to order delivery during a storm, during a severe storm? So is this... They did this. So I saw a clip um, during the hurricane. I saw a clip on Twitter where somebody was delivering like on a bike in like three feet of rain, hurricane, of rainwater. Yeah. yeah. And and somebody was like, if you didn't tip 100 percent, you are such, You're a, such dick. a dick. Yeah. And um, what are your thoughts, Smoke? So, so my take is I, I always go ham on the orders before the disaster arrives. Like. If, if if a huge storm is about to come through, that's when I'm putting in the drizzly order. You're a DoorDash prepper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bingo. That's that's who I am. So you get that's all the products that you're likely to need. Go for it. 
you know, I, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I just don't think it's the smartest move to try and slam, you know, your Uber Eats and, and your Drizzly in the middle of the storm. I, I try to get Is it. Is that because ahead of, of the quality of, quality of the product that I mean, shows well, up? I mean, it's going to take forever, right? Like, if, if some guy's got to have to go. It's going to take forever. You know? Well, yeah, no, I mean, I think. And, a, and you should tip accordingly. That is, that is an important wrinkle. Right. That if if you are going to order, some, you better make sure that travels well, because it's going to take longer to get there. Not only that, but it could get wet. It could get wet. And it's like, I mean, trying to get a cab in New York when it's raining, it's impossible. Like you have to think these things through. <laughs> a cab in New York. How quaint. It's very relatable, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Content folks. Right. Um, so it turns out you're sort of in, uh, I would say, the majority here. Yeah. Smug, it says 45 percent say it's completely or somewhat acceptable. And 48 say not very acceptable or acceptable at all. It's, I mean, I kind of think 45% of people are pretty inhumane. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're in the not ordering. Well, I just, no, I'm with you. Like, you can you can prepare for that kind of thing. But I like, I, I have some compassion for the idea that some dude is having to run my food out in three feet of water. I mean, that can't be, I don't know, maybe it's the. At the same time, hell, when I was in college. You know, I was a bouncer. One of my many horrible jobs, I was a bouncer at a dive bar. You were a bouncer? And had to clean the bathrooms at the end of the night. That, that's the bouncer's job. It's not like there's a janitor at some dive bar. The bouncer's cleaning those bathrooms. And a college dive bar. Did you ever knock anybody right? out? I, you know, it, it's mostly people are just so hammered. You just got to grab them by the shoulder and lead them to the door. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's very rare you have someone who's trying to, like, catch a felony fighting in the bar. Um <laughs> But I mean, if given the opportunity between or the choice between uh, cleaning the toilets at three in the morning or, you know, doing DoorDash in the rain, I would, no, I would with absolutely pick the delivery. I, I changed my was, answer. That job was awful. I changed my Maybe answer. Maybe they should institute like surge pricing for DoorDash and stuff similar to what they do with Uber when there's a high demand. I bet they do. You know, but they I do they, they do. do like a surge pricing during storms. So amount of like little fees and everything they've thrown in there now. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, you're an expert. You're an expert. He never leaves his house unless he has to. All right, so um, <laughs> should we play a game? Let's play King of the Hill. Uh, Let's go. God, great. Great, 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 great. Um, you know what? Let's just go ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. It's time for King of the Hill. In the red corner, fighting out of Ron Klain's desk drawer, a former champion covered in cap hair, Jennifer Brain Worms And now, in the blue corner, hiding out of the Harvard Extension Campus, and reigning champion of the world, Radio Free, Tom Nichols! I love this matchup for so many reasons, not the least of which is it's Ruben's triumphant return to the ring here after the Klain story. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we have a great follower. I, I always forget uh, the name of this gentleman who breaks down the data on on all our matchups. Oh, this guy's won great. How many times? Um, one of these days, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up and get no, it. no. I I, I have that, to find it. I, I have to find it because last time we talked about it, I promised the next time 
I would find it. I think we, at some level, we probably have to have this dude on the program to give us Seriously. like a King like, of the Hill version of what we're trying oh, to do. I, got, I found it. It is uh, SFCB, and he is at T-E-A-R-E-C, at T-Rec. Okay. T-Rec. This guy He's is got the Houston Houston hero. Astros. It's the only thing I don't like about him is the Houston Astros uh, avatar. But this guy just, I mean, the, the data is there. He, he breaks it down on like... Who on King of the Hill has won how many times? With what? Yeah. And and, and that's the thing is like, uh, so his data shows Jen Rubin is, is terrible. Terrible. Has, has a, you know. Paper way, tiger. Yeah. Way higher chance of losing than winning. But here's the other thing, folks, is, uh, you know, the Ruthless Variety Program and, and the Minions and our many listeners have successfully cyberbullied so many of these folks, calling them out for, like, going out for clean retweets. Right. Calling them out for their brainworm takes. Like, I always know someone has has dropped a brainworm take because their replies are, like, uh, <laughs> tag, tag, listeners tag. tagging yeah. us, <laughs> which I love so much and I'm so grateful for. That's so And, right. and, and the, a lot of these folks are now scared to drop their, like, brainworm lib takes it's because working. they know they're going to get bullied. So, so, you know, your usual folks, like... Dowd has Dowd has turned into like a live laugh love basic bitch like on Twitter <laughs> where it's all just like happy birthday to someone and on this day on this day in history and it's like come on man like what happened we broke Dowd he's still I know we did break Dowd he's still the leader yeah yeah the guy uh, was a, a true champion yeah but but he may have hung up his spurs so but I'm bringing back Ruben and here's the thing is Ruben was like out of control she brought the heat. She, always she really does. brought the heat. It's, she always it's, does. it's in keeping with her and everything we know about her that when everyone else is trimming their sails and she, not putting out the fire, going. she's going hard to the paint. And, 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 and it shows such heart because she's like, you know what? Even if even if I'm not in this for the clean retweets anymore, the brains are just, you know, the worms are just going crazy out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, they demand she. Fight. Radio Free Tom's going to have something to say about that, my friend. Okay. And you're you're the champion. I'm the Holmes. champion, so I go first. You go first. Uh, at 9.04 p.m. on September the 20th, so you know it's good. So you know it's good. Radio Free Tom says, honestly, if Fox were being run by enemy psyops guys, how would we even be able to tell? Right, so he's he's basically in response, and to contextualize a little bit, he's talking about one of Tucker's shows. Yeah, right. And basically, what he, I mean, I guess explicitly, what he's saying is that like America's enemies, if they were seeking to do harm to our country, would have Fox programming. It's incredible. This this is incredible. Yeah. I mean, this is a man who. Spends almost all day on MSNBC. Right, right. I mean, just think about that. Right. Just think about that. I'm, I'm starting this off with fire. And it's it goes with our theme today, which is essentially just incompetent Dems in disarray. And, and the buck stops here, Biden. Jen Rubin, September 22nd at 1223 p.m. The joint statement on the call between Macron and Biden confirms much of what I say here. The president should not have to do damage control for his advisors. The buck stops here. Listen, if your administration is full of idiots fucking up, why does Biden have to answer for it? Just because the Biden administration is fucking up, Joe Biden should not be held accountable. <laughs> Who's that's that's a funny. take. That's pretty that's good. a take. It's a pretty good take. What I love about that take is 
in, you know, before the Politico story, you know, Ron Klain would have been pressing oh, RT. <laughs> you know? Totally. Uh, he would have been like, totally, boss. She's like, I can just picture her there, like, quietly sobbing, being like, please. Because RT. In her heart, she knows that would have gotten it. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Oh. This is a tough one. I though. mean, just because it's the Biden administration, why should Joe Biden be held accountable? I mean, that is a fucking take. It's a great take. Also, I, Fox being enemies. Yeah. Like a, the guy who appears on the hyperpartisan MSNBC every day and right. spent four years talking about, you know, how, Russia. how right and how terrible the Trump administration was, which which literally, literally was an enemy psyops campaign, literally was an enemy psyops campaign, <laughs> which is what I find so beautiful about it's just it's elegant. It's very it's an elegant, simplistic presentation. Yeah. Huh. They're very different. The one thing I would say about the Radio Free Tom one is there's a lot there's a lot of those folks who have that take. The Jen Rubin take I think is more unique to her brand. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, Smug wins round one. All okay, right. I can live All with right. that. All right. I can live with that. I'm ready to go right into right into round two with this one. Bring it. Uh, September 22nd at 8.40 a.m. A reminder, this is in the wake of, of Whipgate and, and all this nonsense. So there really is only a single issue I will vote on in 2021. Truth. The Republican Party in Washington nationally has become a conspiracy of liars. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. That re- that read like a Dowd tweet. It, it did. You know? She's, she's filling Dowd-ish. the gap. She's filling the gap. That really read like a Dowd tweet. Like one of those sort of like super over the top earnest tweets. <laughs> like the one that that Holmes dropped where he was like, so the forefathers of the Constitution said oh, all this. Yeah. That one which didn't means- win. That one did not win. I still I still have a hard time. There was contra- there was controversy there. Yeah. I, I, I got a lot of hate for that. Uh, but wow. Okay. So this is an RT of Kyle Griffin, a a well-known participant in March hack. Yeah. Uh, Purveyor of fake news. Major purveyor. And his tweet says the U.S. could plunge into immediate recession (laughs) if Republicans fail to join Democrats in raising the debt ceiling and the country defaults on its payment obligations this fall. Um. So Nichols RTs this thing and says, they've already encouraged millions of people to hurt themselves. Why stop at recession? It's unbelievable. 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 <laughs> Man, for folks at home, I'm having to like turn away from the mic to laugh at this. Oh, such a clown! <laughs> Man, it's just the Jen Rubin thing was very earnest, and I appreciate it. It cannot compete with that. That's a it's an A bomb. It's <laughs> an A bomb. I was gonna save it for third, but he he got such a strong opener that I had to come back. With so what the thing that's the thing. You guys have gotten so good at playing the game. Yep. <laughs> and sort of like sensing based on the tweets of others, like where where you have to keep your strongest material. Mm-hmm. That's why we always end up in round three. 
you right, know? Right. right. Um, so that's one to one. Okay. All right. So I got to lead the third round. I like this one because of its absolute obliviousness. It's, it's, I'll just read it. This comes from September 22nd. A party increasingly relying on intimidating its opponents with violent threats from its base is a party that admits it has no ideas or beliefs other than power. This is the essence of cynical authoritarianism. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've watched as leftists have burned down every city in America over right. the last two years. Yeah. Right? I mean, literally burned them down with riots and crime and everything. But no, no. There's one party here that's increasingly <laughs> relying on intimidating its opponents with violent threats. He's uh. talking about the Republican Party. Right. It's the obliviousness of this is just so beautiful. Remember when that Bernie Sanders supporter tried to mow down the Republican House a lot of people, baseball team? A lot yeah. of people really memory hold that. Really memory hold that, huh? Totally. Like Very Rand strange. Paul was, was an emergency medic saving lives. And, and it was like, oh, no, no. Wait. And by the way, is he? I think he's talking about with this like violent threats from its base. I, I think he's talking about that fake... Rally that the FBI said. Oh, yeah, up. the FBI convention. <laughs> <laughs> the January 6th entrapment convention. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that's what he's referring to here, which is just a double amazing. It's great. Yeah. Uh, Ruben brought it on this one. Okay. I mean, it's just see what the levels of brain worming. Uh, this is September 21st, 7.37 p.m. If ours renounce the basic responsibilities of government and want D's to do it, oh. then end the filibuster now. D's are the only governing party right now. Oh, my God. So the solution to Democrats controlling the House, <laughs> the Senate, the White House is end the filibuster. That's the only way to govern. Fuck is she talking? About? I mean, that they, is insane. They literally don't have any governing capability. That's the whole. We did the whole show on this. That was a whole theme. That was the whole theme. Yeah, Demson disarray to electric boogaloo. Yeah, <laughs> this is like unprecedented levels of them just going after each other. And she's like, you know what? They're the only ones incapable of governing. Oh my god, that's a take. Wow. Whew. So are Republicans <clears throat> the violent threat party from the base? Or, I mean, well, here's or the thing: are, is are Dems are Dems the only governing party? This is a tough one. In, in the wake of Jayapal going full Thelma and Louise with like <laughs> eleven senators in the back of the car going off the cliff with her, in the wake of them doing that, Ruben's like, "Hey, these are the folks we got to get rid of the these filibuster are the for." Responsible people. We need to we need to, we need to we need to eliminate all checks and balances yeah, for this. Absolutely. Well, so, so I mean, they both deny reality. Like, I would say if there's a common thread between these two things, they both deny an obvious reality, right? Like Obvious we, to anyone. To anyone. And, and we talked about, you know, the, the riots and, and whatnot. What I like about Rubens, though, is, like, it denies reality in a way that is so funny to me in that, like, they don't have... 50 votes for a lot of this stuff. Like, getting Bingo. rid of the filibuster wouldn't actually no. solve your problem. They None wouldn't even get there. A at all. It's almost like all of this is a setup just to eliminate the filibuster. 
but like it doesn't apply. It doesn't apply. It like it's like she fundamentally fundamentally doesn't understand the problem itself. And it's her job. And it's never stopped her from posting. And that's never. why she's my queen and that's why she wins. I, I'm in full agreement. I that was a bombshell take. I I, I didn't want to say this when you read it because I didn't want to give away the game. That's the most insane thing I've heard. In and a here's long time. the other thing is uh, I kind of played next level chess because usually I close my third one with like, you know, uh, internet buffoonery because that really appeals yeah, he to likes Duncan. That. Well, uh, according to the, the Saber metrics that were released, uh, that one is like the like will win every it's time. It's a closer. Because yeah, Judge but and Jerry. Instead, Jared. I yeah. played one that I knew Holmes couldn't really advocate against. I couldn't. That was Removing smart. the filibuster is like central that's, that's to what Senate pisses stuff. Holmes off. That's Senate stuff. Yeah. That was smart. <laughs> well done, my friend. Well done. That was an excellent King of the Hill. I love it. Uh, so I can't wait to see the updated metrics tomorrow and all of this. We It should be noted that I think we're basically tied in a year of doing it's this. incredible. Which tied. I think is proof the judge and jury is fair. It's totally unbiased. I, I feel like the judge and jury has done a very nice job. Thank you. I, we've had a couple of quibbles, but I we've think we've quibbles. settled them like gentlemen. We have. I just, I know people are going to be in my mentions tomorrow telling me I was wrong. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, um, we got a really big interview. We've been waiting to do this one for a while. He's a, a hero to an awful lot of of conservatives out there for what he was doing to try to debunk the RussiaGate ridiculousness uh, during the Trump administration. But he's been a, a, a warrior for a lot longer than that, and we talk about it all. Jim Jordan. I want to welcome to the program a guy who is an absolute warrior for conservatives in the House and has been doing it a long time. He's also the author of a, a terrific book you should check out, Do What You Said You Would Do, which I think is a pretty good mantra for an awful lot of people. Congressman Jim Jordan, welcome. Good to be with you, Josh. <clears throat> Listen, man, you got, you're surrounded by just absolute insanity right now. And, and <laughs> I, I, first, I, I guess I just want to start with this tax and spend nonsense. Yeah. We've got Democrats basically, I mean, they've already spent trillions during the Biden administration. They want to spend like 5 trillion more in right. the next several weeks. Meanwhile, you got inflation through the roof. You have all kinds of economic indicator problems. I mean, it seems like their incompetence is the only thing that's setting them back from actually accomplishing right now, some yeah. of this. But what's your, what's your take from where you sit? Well, no, no. I think you described it right. This is the dumbest economic plan in, in American history. I mean, the, the Democrats' plan is basically lock down your economy, spend like crazy, pay people not to work. And then for everyone who has been working, everyone who has been working hard and helping our economy, oh, oh, we're going to raise your taxes. So, I mean, you can't design a more stupid economic plan than what we have. And as you as you point out, uh, inflation is now at a 40-year high. Um, the only good news is that the the fighting between the the radical left in the Democrat Party and the just left in the party, because I think they're all left over there now, right. um, is is so much that they may not be able to pass anything, and that's that's a that's the only you know kind of consolation for for families and taxpayers across the country. And we'll see how it all shakes out. I think, frankly, as we said here today, I don't think they have. Um, I don't think they have the votes for the the, the so-called skinny. Well, amazing, we call it one point two trillion dollar yeah, right. <laughs> uh, infrastructure package. Is skinny, but the skinny infrastructure package, 
uh, that actually has a little bit, a little bit of real infrastructure in it versus the 3.5, which is human infrastructure and everything else. Junk. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out, but I don't know that they have the votes for anything today. And I hope it stays that way. Cause that, that would be the, the only kind of win the American taxpayer has gotten in the, in the nine months of Democrats controlling all the federal government. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? I, I, I have to ask you, cause you have an interesting perch from this. If you can set aside the policy implications and actually the, you know, the real problems that the American people would encounter by the, all of the, the policies that they're suggesting right now, do, do you take a little pleasure in watching them sort of struggle amongst each other in this, in this war, it seems against progressives. And like you said, they're all yeah. left. So it's like, you know, one slightly less liberal than the other. Yeah, well, I mean, think about how radical they are, because yesterday, Joe Biden is giving a speech at, at, the, uh, at the United Nations, and he's talking about how we're going to renew, we're going to build back our, our relationship with our allies. The, as, as he's saying that that very day, Democrats in the House are taking out money for Israel's right. Iron Dome defense system. And I'm like, our number one ally, our best friend, and you're saying this at the very moment, the hard left, the, the so-called squad is, is, is taking this out. So... Um, yeah, they're, they're fighting like crazy. Uh, it, it's, it sort of reminds me, um, you know, I think the American people's reaction is these guys have had it. I think it's why we're going to win next year, take yeah. back the house. But it, it reminds me of um, uh, that one of our favorite movies, uh, 1776. And, and the movie starts with, uh, with John Adams walking down the bell tower there in Philadelphia in Independence Hall. And as he's walking into the, where they debate, where they debate that long, hot summer as they're putting together the declaration, he's, he starts the movie off by saying, one useless man is a disgrace, two are a law firm, and three or more are a Congress, and I've had it with this Congress. My, my gut tells me the American people have had it with the Biden executive branch and the Biden presidency, the, the Schumer Senate, and the, and the Pelosi Congress, and they're going to make a big change in 14 months. Yeah, well, I think you're right. The numbers certainly bear that out. The free fall that they've had here over the last six, eight weeks has been nothing short of stunning. I, I think you know, on this program, we've talked a lot about how there's always sort of one external threat or event that happens that, that causes people to reevaluate everything. And, and I think in this case, in a lot of ways, it was Afghanistan. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. your, your take on, on all that. Well, uh, I, I think you're right. Um, I think that was maybe the final straw, uh, as everything has been building and, you know, in, in a, in a nine month time frame, we, we literally went from, I, I was giving a speech last night and I was talking about this. We went from a secure border to chaos, right? We went from energy independence to the president of the United States. I mean, this one just shocks me in, in a nine month time frame, energy independence to the president of the United States, begging OPEC to increase production. I mean, right. talk about showing weakness. We, we went from relatively safe cities to, um, to crime up in every major urban area. We went from stable prices to, um, you know, 40-year high uh, in, inflation rates. And, and we went from peace in the Middle East to rockets being fired on our friend and ally Israel to the Democrats pulling out money for, I mean, it just, it's- It's, it's crazy. It, yeah, it's literally crazy what we have, what we have witnessed in, in, in that short of time. And as I said, I think, I think Americans are going to remember that. And, you, and then you add to it, this debacle that was the withdrawal from Afghanistan, where 13 service members gave their life for our country. One of them was from our district. I'm going to, I'm going to read something on the floor of the house today about Max Soviak, an amazing young man. Mm -hmm. um, 13 service members lose their lives. Americans left behind, allies left behind, $90 billion of equipment and weapons left behind. And the president of the United States calls it an extraordinary success. I mean, I, I, the, the, the disconnect from where normal Americans are. And then shortly after all that happens, we, 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 if you can believe what Bob Woodward writes, we have a book coming out where it says the Joint Chiefs of Staff 
was actually talking to his Chinese counterpart. And if he said this statement, which is reported in the book that, uh, oh, by the way, we'll give you a heads up, China, if we're coming. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know any more shocking news you can hear. So I think all that combined, as you rightly point out, Josh, is why you see the, the numbers you see now uh, for uh, the approval numbers so low for, for President Biden. Well, I think that what you brought up about the allegations on Millie's conversation with China is actually a pretty good segue here because you're, you're sort of at the forefront of debunking an awful lot of allegations against President Trump during his administration. The reason I transition into it is, is I love the suggestion that somehow Trump was going after China. Like, what the hell was that all about? I mean, nobody's even suggested that. Yeah, of course not. He wasn't doing it. What, what, and what a contrast. I mean, now we're talking foreign policy. I mean, what a contrast between the, the weakness projected from the Biden administration versus the strength and confidence of the Trump administration. I, I thought Stephen Miller, I, I saw him uh, yesterday on a, making comments on some show, and he was talking about Biden's speech and the fact that Biden missed an opportunity to tell the world what his plan was and why he was doing what he was doing. And instead he, he gave a bunch one. of, yeah, he didn't have one. He gave a bunch of platitudes. Where you remember when President Trump went to the United Nations, he, he explained why it was important for NATO allies to, to pick up their share of the, of the tab and to do more and explained it to the world. And frankly, it made all the sense in the world and people got it. You, you, when you have a big opportunity like that, a big speech, you should use it to advance what you're doing and lean into the policies you're promoting, which President Trump always did. Um, yeah, and we see this, I guess I, I go back to, um, remember it's probably four or five months ago now when Secretary Blinken was in Anchorage meeting with his Chinese oh, right. counterpart. Yeah. And the treatment he received, I, I mean, that would never happen to Mike Pompeo in a President Trump administration. And frankly, if they tried it, Pompeo would have given it back to him or maybe stood up and flipped over the table and said, like Reagan did in, in Iceland and said, I'll see you later. Well, you don't talk to the United States like that. Instead, no. Blinken just took it. He just got smacked around. And again, I think the American people are starting to appreciate all that as well. Well, I think these guys, I think basically what it's about for them, observing you know, eight, nine months of their foreign policy. I think it's basically just a caretaker position. They just like the job, right? They like the being in the White House. They like the, the power of it all, the trappings, because honestly, there isn't a single thing that they've done on the international stage that's, that's not negative. Everything yeah. is negative in terms of its consequence to the American people, but also not very bold, not very visionary. I mean, I don't even know what their plan is. Yeah. It, and it's scary, but, but frankly, um, it really shouldn't surprise us because um, yeah, they've been doing know, it, it for years. <laughs> yeah, it's the same people. I mean, right. I, I was on the Benghazi uh, uh, Select Committee uh, a few years back, and the same people who were responsible for the crazy decisions made in Libya that led to the tragedy on September 11, 2012, in Benghazi. Uh, uh, Tony Blinken, Susan Rice, Bill Burns, Wendy Sherman, Jake Sullivan. They're, they're the people running foreign policy in the Biden administration. Yeah. yeah, so it's the same darn people. And the, the thing I always think about these guys is they, they, they all believe they're so much smarter than, than, than you and I, than us as you know, some country boy from Ohio. They always think they're so much smarter and, and that everything's going to be right because I'm the smartest person in the room. Well, that's right. not how the international, that's not how the world works. Um, so it's frustrating but it's also kind of dangerous when you, when you think about the weakness that is being projected from, um, from the Oval Office in this administration. Oh, entirely dangerous. I want to ask you about the border. Um, I, look, the, the images there are, are horrific. Yeah. Um, and you juxtapose that to the conversations that apparently they're still having in Congress about sort of a mass amnesty 
provision within the reconciliation bill. I mean, is it just intentional? I mean, it seems to me it's just intentional negligence here, yeah. right? I don't know how you can reach any other conclusion. Um, I've said this probably every interview we've done in, I don't know, the last month, but uh, March was the highest month on record for illegal crossings, March of this year until the month of April. And then April was the highest month until the month of May. And then May was the highest month until June and June until July when we had 212,000. And then last month it went down to 208,000. So it went down 4,000. But my guess is there was actually more. We just didn't, we just didn't encounter as many because you had a number of agents who were also dealing with the Afghan situation and those, those individuals coming to the country. So when you have a pattern like that, I don't know how any logical person can reach any other conclusion than this is intentional. This is deliberate, right. um, which is kind of frightening as well that you have an administration so focused on doing everything that's different than President Trump did that they're willing to allow a situation as we now see on the border, particularly with the Haitian situation in Del Rio, just allow that to happen. And I, I mean, again, the folks I get the privilege of representing in the fourth district of Ohio and folks, I, I was in Wisconsin last week, talked to folks around the country. They're like, what the heck? No one can understand it. But somehow the Biden administration, my orcas can stand at a press conference and say, the border is secure. And you're like, well, well, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> it's, it's, it's scary. And uh, again, the solution is simple. You have to send the proper message from the White House. And President Trump did that when he said, we will build a wall. We will have this remain in Mexico policy in place. And don't come to our country because we're only going to let people in who come here legally and follow the rules, follow right. the law. When you send that message, it, shazam, it works. But when you don't, Bad things happen and people get harmed. These folks who are coming here, you know, your heart goes out to them because it's, it's they, this uh, unbelievable journey they take and the hardship they go through. But um, somehow the Democrats never get blamed for all that, all those bad things that happen to people, particularly, uh, you know, women and, 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 and girls. Um, yeah, you said it. I mean, that, that's what it is. It's, it's a humanitarian crisis of, a, of the highest order and any suggestion that's sort of a liberal border policy is more humane, I think is belied by every bit of evidence and photos and yeah. everything that you see on a yeah. daily basis. It's, it's, it's as inhumane as it gets. Yeah. I don't know if you've been down there, Josh, but I've been to the border and you go there and these, these, these little kids who are there, I mean, when I was there back in the spring, it was, you know, so many kids from, the, from, from Central America, Guatemalans, and, and, and your, your heart just goes out to them. And you, yeah. you can't blame people for wanting to get to the greatest country in the world. I don't blame them at all. But we have to have a process and it has to be done legally and it has to be done in, in accordance to our, in, in adherence to our law. Um, it's just tough. Yeah, you know, it is. It's a very sad story. And I don't think Kamala's got the answer anytime soon. How about you? <laughs> no, she doesn't. But I would just, I think the American people want, you want the folks who put their name on the ballot, who ran for the job, and they now have the job, do your job. And if you're the person in charge, you know, take control of this and, and deal with it. But they're not. And it's, and again, the only conclusion I think anyone who's rational can reach is you deliberately want this to happen. And it is so harmful to our country and to those individuals who are risking everything to try to get here. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. So, you, you led the charge basically against the Russia hoax and all of the the Russian disinformation that was kicked up by the Clinton campaign and, and basically took over our lives for three years during the yeah. during the Trump administration, which you know you you have very well deserved plaudits for doing that because now I think we're seeing the beginning of the unwinding mm -hmm. of an awful <clears throat> lot of that and obviously last week 
was a really big development with the Durham investigation when they indicted Michael Sussman. Uh, you've been in the middle of this more than I think yeah. anybody. Give us your take on that development and sort of where you think things stand. No, uh, I think I think you're right. I think this is that's pretty darn big. If you read the 27-page indictment, it, this is not your typical false uh, statement to the FBI indictment. That would you know, I'd be that'd be a short couple pages. This is this is not a a false statement made to Durham and his team in the course of their investigation. Right. This is this is the false statement made at the start of the whole the whole false uh, investigation the FBI started back in 2016. As I, I said to one person yesterday, this is not a false statement, this is the false statement. So this is Zussman talking to Jim Baker, chief counsel at the FBI in September of 2016 that helped launch the whole investigation. Um, that is a that is a much different animal than uh, Michael Flynn when when Comey oh, came in sure, yeah. and, and did this thing and somehow they said Flynn lied which in fact he did it. I mean it's like that this is a whole different animal and I think it signals and I'm I'm kind of optimistic now that uh, that Durham is digging into this and and exposing this idea that um, this was created by the Clinton campaign taken to the FBI, they got the FBI to bite on it, and then that's what could be leaked to the press, so the press could then write about it, and that's exactly what they want, because how does the indictment start out? The, the Durham's indictment starts out with a week before the election, the New York Times reports, he's, he's talking about what the press, which is exactly what Clinton campaign wanted in the run-up to the 2016 election, so I think it's a, I think it's a big thing, um, and we'll just have to wait and see what else Mr. Durham comes up with. Yeah, no, look, I think it's a big thing too. And, and having spent a fair amount of time in my career on the operative yeah, side, I know you have. You can see what the operatives are trying to do with gathering Oppo, basically. Where what was so stunning to me about this indictment is it, it, it proves what you know you've been saying all along, and I think many have, have believed that they decided to use the arm of the Justice Department, the FBI to basically suss out an oppo file that wasn't worth its weight in, in dirt, yeah. right? And, and, then they, and then they used the actual government, the power of the government to try to prosecute the case that's completely ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, David Korn gave parts of the dossier <laughs> to Jim Baker, the chief counsel at the FBI, and then he gives it to the people doing the investigation. I mean, most likely Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, right? They were in, right. They, they ran the Clinton investigation and then they ran the, the crossfire hurricane. I think it's also interesting. I always point this out. Remember, the same people ran both investigations. Uh, uh, Horowitz, the inspector general said that Strzok and Page should have never run the, the Trump investigation, not because they had a bias against President Trump, but because they had ran the Clinton investigation, but they ran, ran both of them. What, what did they name the investigations? And they, I don't even know how these names are given. I asked Jim Comey this question one time and he, he, he didn't even know, which I, I found interesting. But remember the, the Clinton uh, investigation uh, on her server and everything was called the mid-year exam, as boring as you can get. But what, <laughs> right. did, they, what did they call the, the Trump-Russia investigation? They called that crossfire hurricane. You can almost see them pounding their chest. So you can tell where the bias was from the FBI. Jim Baker, chief counsel at the FBI, is getting information from David Korn about the dossier. And now we find out Zussman was giving him, we knew about this, but now this is what Durham indicts on. Dur, uh, Zussman is giving Baker information on the, the supposed bank link in Russia with the Trump campaign, right. which was also bogus. So what is the chief counsel of the FBI getting information from political people who are Democrats? That's the problem. And then when you start that investigation, then the press can, oh, the press can write about it, particularly when it's coming after a Republican. Yeah. I mean, they, they actually put into motion what mm -hmm. 
what the you know the left has got all kinds of different nonprofits out there that are designed entirely to just file complaints against Republicans oh, yeah. to try to you know move the arms of justice and get people. I mean, you've experienced it. I've experienced anybody who's got any significance in conservative circles at all has been yep. in the middle of that. What's different about what they did is they went actually right to the source, yep. right to the Justice Department, and began what was one of the more regrettable episodes in the history of this country in terms of prosecuting a case that didn't exist. Didn't exist. Total, total bogus. Um, and frankly, there were there were a handful of folks like you in, 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 the, in the journalism world in this town who were willing to talk about it. But I mean, a small handful. And there were a handful of us in Congress who said, this doesn't smell right. We're going to we're going to dig into this. Everyone else was, you know, like Adam Schiff. There's more than circumstantial evidence <laughs> right. of collusion. Like I'm still waiting for the more than circumstantial evidence. I've yet to see it because uh, it, it doesn't exist. But they said it. The press, the mainstream press bought it. And for three years. We as a country had to live through this. I still remember when we deposed Jim Comey. Um, this was in 2018. So after, after he gets fired, Mueller is named a week later in May of 2017. We deposed Jim Comey the following year, and he told us up to the date he was fired. They had already been investigating this. The Crossfire Hurricane thing started in July of, 30, of, of 16. So all the way to May of 17, he said, up until that time, we direct quote from the deposition, we still didn't know if we had anything. Because there wasn't any, so they've been investigating for 10 months, had nothing. And what do we do? Appoint a, a Mueller, a special counsel. We get two more years of it, $30 million, all these agents, all these lawyers, and they come up with nothing, no collusion, no coordination, but our country had to live through it. And I think the real takeaway for me is in spite of all that, President Trump had one of the greatest presidencies in my lifetime and getting things done that he said he would do in spite of this, this, this hanging over him and all the opposition he faced. Yeah, it's really, it's really remarkable. And I mean, it's one of the things, the lasting lessons of that presidency that we're going to have to take with us going into the future is yeah. the left will stop at nothing, right? The allegations are so unfounded. They're going to be leveled against the next Republican nominee, the next Republican president, the next Republican speaker of the of House course. and whatnot. And we just got to figure out how to fight like you've been fighting this for years as a, as a team, because this is, well said, I mean, this is unbelievable. Yeah, well really, said. Incredible. Yeah, they're going to come out. I, I, I tell my colleagues all the time, I said, if the, it's not fun, but I said, if the press isn't saying something bad about you, you ain't doing anything. Yeah, good. There you go. just, just, how, just how it works. And it's, it's not pleasant. Uh, and, the, and the standard is, I mean, we used to have to, President Trump would tweet something and every reporter would catch Republicans. You know how this works, walking into the, the, into the Senate chamber, walking into the House chamber, they would ask you about the president's tweet. And, you know, most of the time you hadn't even seen it yet. Uh, but, right. but, but how many Democrats get asked about, what do you think about President Biden withdrawal from Afghanistan? What do you think about President Biden's uh, position on, 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 on this? They never get asked that. So it's, it's a complete double standard. We just have to understand that. We have to live with it and then just keep fighting for the freedoms and the principles that I think make us the great country we are. Yeah, that's very well said and, and absolutely what we need to do. I, last thing I want to uh, talk to you a little bit about before I get to our final three questions is, I was sort of, uh, you know, in government during the last time we had this sort of resurgence, 09, 10. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I, I feel like we were lacking a little bit is a vision for what we would do day one if we ever got our hands on it again. Now, we did, I, I, like you said, I think the Trump administration accomplished almost more than any president in my lifetime. So that, that's not the critique. Yep. I think the critique is how do we take lessons learned? And I, and I put you in the center of this because I feel like you've been driving this for a long time. How do we take the lessons that we've learned over the last four, six, eight years 
and put in place an agenda that if we're lucky enough to get our hands on power, we can just drive that sucker as fast as possible. Yeah, no, great question. I think we're, we're working on that in the House. Uh, Leader McCarthy has got certain task force focused on key issues and, and what we're going to do on day one on, on, on January 3rd, 2023, when we have the majority. Now, the, 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 the tough part will be we'll have the majority, but there'll still be a Biden yeah. in, uh, Joe Biden in, in the White House. So it's, it's tough. One of the things I think just practically, and you know how this works because you've been around this, uh, is when we get to uh, two years from now, September of 2023, and we're in a fight over all the big spending the left wants to do, and some of the, we'll be against that, but some of the policy things we want to do, how do we, how do we make that work? Is there a yeah. policy issue we can fight for and get into a spending bill? May mean us conservatives are going to have to spend a little more money than we would like to, but we have to figure out what's that issue. And I think it probably has to be one. What's that one policy thing we'll fight for and say, if you want this spending, Mr. Biden, if you want this spending, Democrats, then we need to win on this issue that the American people put us back in power and control of, of the House to do. And that's one of the things I'm trying to work on. And frankly, it will mean, as I said, some of us conservatives are going to have to give a little bit maybe on something in order to get that policy issue. And then some of the more moderate members of the Republican Party have to give as well. We have to function as a team I think Leader McCarthy's done a pretty darn good job of that over the uh, the last few years, keeping us together. Yeah. And one of the things that one of the things I point to, Josh, is you remember the first impeachment. The conventional wisdom was that every Democrat was going to vote to impeach President Trump, and a bunch of Republicans, some Republicans, would join him. What happened in that in that impeachment process? Every single Republican voted against it because we saw how ridiculous it was. And Democrats came over and joined us. One even switched parties. So that's, that's what happens when you stay united and, and, and have the country behind you and are doing the things that the people elected you to do. That's how we have to do it. Um, and it may mean this, this uh, I think next summer, we're going to have that, that list of things. Here's what we're going to do if you put us in power. I think that's important. Matt's really smart way of handling it. And, I mean, and you, you're absolutely right. I mean, the only way that you can get any of these things done is to, is to work as a team. Up to this point, Democrats have been pretty effective at that over the years when they had unified. Yeah, that's true. You know, they, they took little incremental changes. The next thing you know, you look back and they created new entitlement systems, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely well said. I got three big questions for you. And these are the yeah. ones that all of our listeners pay attention to. Okay. So these are, these are the, these are the big ones. Your last meal on earth, what would it be? Oh, it was uh, at, at our, at our favorite restaurant. And we live just outside of Urbana, Ohio, our favorite Chetty's. Uh, it's called Fusions, but Chetty's the guy who runs it. He's uh, uh, from Fiji. Um, but I, I get the same thing. I get the same thing every time I go. I get the, I get the uh, ribeye steak, mashed potatoes, green beans, and then they got the best carrot cake and coffee. And, and, and so maybe, maybe that's just an old guy's uh, kind of no, meal. No. But I, I love that. And when we go to Chetty's, that's, I order the same thing <laughs> every time. So that'd be my it. last meal. Listen, if it works, why change it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Second question. If you never got into politics at all, what do you think you'd be doing with your life? Oh, well, what, I don't know what I would be doing. What I would wanted to do is uh, play middle linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I always, I always tell, I grew up in the 70s, and even though I'm from Ohio, Browns, Bengals territory. When you grew up in the 70s, you know, kids, you, you, you follow the winners. And the Steelers with Terry Bradshaw, Franco Harris, Lynn Swan, I can name them all. Oh, mean, yeah. the, the Steel Curtain, Mean Joe Green, Elsie, I can name all of them. But my favorite guy was... Um, Jack Lambert. Jack Lambert. I, knew you were going there. I love that guy because he was he like growl and just tough. But um, 
so that's what I would love to be doing, but I'm 57 and I'm five, seven and a half on a good day. So, you know, I had to stick with the sport of wrestling, but yeah, if I could pick my job, I'd be playing. Who wouldn't want to play middle linebacker in the NFL? That'd be the greatest job ever. I mean, it would be fantastic. And as long as Ted Cruz told us he can play in the NBA, you can be a middle linebacker for the <laughs> yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. So this is an interesting question for you. It's our, our third and final question. And I'm, I am fascinated to hear your answer. It's, it, it's what goes to motivate you, right? What yeah. motivates Jim Jordan more, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? And the way to think about this is the thrill of victory is the optimist charging up the hill over and yeah. over again, like just thrill of victory type mindset. The agony of defeats make Michael Jordan, right? Yeah. It, it's the guy who literally, the just mere threat of someone thinking that they're better than him on a day-to-day basis gets him yeah. out of bed, right? So, so which one do you find yourself in? Probably the former, although I, I'm always reminded, when, when, when I think about this, I'm always reminded that, um, uh, uh, that line in Moneyball where, where, where Billy Bean says, uh, I hate losing. He says, I hate losing more than I like winning. And that, that line, you know, you just despise it. So I hate losing. I, I learned a long time ago, you know, winning beats losing, but I, I feel fortunate. There'd been a, a, you know, my, I had goals in wrestling and, and was able to accomplish some of them. And when it happened, it was one of it, it it's just such an emotional moment where, you had the goal, you worked hard and you actually got there. And, and knowing your, my, my dad was real big and, and, and helping me in the sport of wrestling and sharing that with them. So that moment is special. So I think it's probably the former, but, um, but you I understand think, the latter. Yeah, I do. Oh, you sure do. Because <laughs> man, it, I, I hate lose. I tell, I tell student athletes all the time. I said, winning beats losing every single time. It is always better to win. But when you lose, you learn from it, and it and it makes you stronger and better, and you you come back and uh, and you and you win the next time, hopefully. Yeah, I think that's a good mantra for everything we got going on right now, Congressman Jim Jordan. I can't thank you enough for your thank time. Thank you, Josh. Today. Thanks for all you do. Yeah, you thanks bet. for all you do. You bet. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care. The guy is is uh, he's got his eye on his ball. I let me just say the most impressive part, and I've followed Jim Jordan for years. The most impressive part to me about his sets of answers here were when I was talking about what you do if you get your hands on power again. And and the fact that he's thought through that means everything. Because right. there was there was a ton of problems that Republicans had kind of coming together around a central agenda each time we've had the opportunity. And if you have people like Jim Jordan leading the way on that, I feel really confident that Republicans will be able to know what they're doing and have an agenda if we get power in, in 22 and then hopefully the White House in 24. It's fantastic. What I really respect is, is a man who doesn't like wearing uh, a dress coat. <laughs> he doesn't care for a dress uh, coat. I also am a man who does not like wearing a dress coat. And so yeah, I always I respect that. I respect that. The dude's like, nah, not doing it. You're also a wrestler. I also am a wrestler. There you go. Is an incredible... Uh, character building to be a wrestler. Can't get enough of the singlet. <laughs> I mean, come on. Can't get enough of it. So on that final note of, of cyberbullying, I want to say it was truly a banger of an episode. Great King of the Hill. Great interview. Uh, and for the folks at home, we're going to have some very exciting events. Oh, we got big announce. stuff. Really big stuff. Very big stuff that we're you know, announcing very soon. Uh, Check out that Iowa video on YouTube if you haven't yet. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. 
We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.